Bethesda. <laughs> Alright, do you want to get into it? Yeah. Yeah. God, if they don't put if they don't put fucking Doom up on Steam, then Doom is gonna be dead again, and that. F- no. People no will find gonna, Doom. Not people do not want to buy games not on Steam. <laughs> like, well, that's their fucking problem for being stupid. Yeah, I know, I know, but like, oh God, you're really gonna give up Doom Eternal for your weird launcher agenda? Fuck off. <laughs> But also, like, Bethesda is so dumb in, like, oh, we're just going to get all the money for us. Like, if you put it out on the Bethesda launcher, you get 100% of, like, you know, 100,000 copies sold. If you put it on Steam, you get 70% of 500,000 copies Mm. sold. Like, that's better business. It's simple business. Yeah, Bethesda. Apparently, the CEO of ZeniMax, which is the parent company, is a nightmare person, so I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hello, and that, and, we- and welcome to another review <laughs> roundup. Do you want to go with that? Do you want to go with one of yep. our podcast stars where we just merge in, no formal intro? That's fine by me. Just getting messier as the years go on. That's good. We, me and Jameson are back again to do another long, long, talky podcast type thing. We are rounding up the games of November. November-ish? November-ish. We might be yeah. blending in some games that we missed because during Red Dead season... A couple of games came out that didn't go under a radar. Well, one did for me, but we just didn't really have time for. Red Dead, like, blocked out three weeks of playing games. So we we haven't kind of figured out which ones we're going to be talking about. But by the <laughs> title, you can see which ones we decided. We almost definitely will be talking about Return of the Oberdin, And there might also be uh, the Gwent game Thronebreaker in there. If you've heard that sentence, then it is... Otherwise, Jameson's cut this out. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but we are going to go... I don't think this is chronological... Is this chronological starting with No, we're, we're, we're starting at the bottom and working our way up. Let's be honest. Yes. I think we wanted you recommended starting with Fallout just to get it out of the way. Because... Yes. Yeah. So with Fallout 76, I want to do my best to maybe talk about some things that people haven't focused on as much Mm. because it's been talked about so so much and you know we could go into how shitty the game looks because it looks like shit Mm -hmm. we could talk about how it's buggy we could even go into the bag fiasco which has happened recently there's a lot to talk about with fallout 76 but i think everyone's heard everything by now uh, we th- should, yeah. we should clarify that I've played a small chunk of the game. I think I'm. I probably put like 25 hours in. That's and a you, pretty good you know. chunk, I would say. That, yeah. That's that's a full game's worth of game. Yeah. I would, you know. And you were a smart I, boy, and you bailed yeah. during the beta. <laughs> I played about five hours of the quote-unquote beta. Hmm. Uh, so you saw the take storm that coming. as you will. Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna start in yeah, a strange please. place. Please do. I am going to start with things I like about the game. Holy shit. What a twist. Someone saying something (laughs) positive about Fallout 76. While it lasts, because, you know, we're going to get into it. So, Fallout 76. (laughs) Positives. this is uh, gonna be this is a very weirdly formatted Yeah, this is a weirdly formatted review because again we could go through it very conventionally, but everyone's talked about 
some of the stuff. So I'm doing this one a bit weird. But anyway, onto the the positives I have for Fallout 76. I actually really like the new leveling up system. The the trading, not trading card, the card system. Um, it really looked, and I think it was intended for future monetization. God, like can it's, you imagine? It's stank of monetization, the way yeah. it's formatted. But I don't think they're going to get away with that. So I don't you think it's going to be. hope they don't try. They might try. I don't know. Yep. At this rate, it, it, I don't think it would surprise me at this rate, honestly. But I actually, I do <laughs> like it. Hmm. There's something quite satisfying about... Uh, I know it's not cool to have randomness in leveling up. But just kind of looking through the cards, mixing and matching... And being able to stack stuff and uh, merge them together to get better perks and levels is kind of fun and satisfying. Uh, you you do unfortunately have to install a mod if you want to have more than one build. Say you wanted to stack your cards so you're a tank, and then you wanted to have a different loadout so you're a bit of a medic, depending on you know the scenarios. Yeah. You cannot do that in Fallout 76. You would have to replace every card individually. Uh, there is a mod... Uh, I haven't tried modding the game because I don't know how that works yet. Don't know if you get banned. Don't know if Bethesda is okay with that. I don't know if Bethesda knows how it works either. <laughs> so uh, I haven't tried that, but... I'm surprised there's not like a save preset option. That would be... There is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems like a bit of an oversight, but... Yes. Oh well. Uh, well, that is how this whole game went, really. <laughs> yes, I, I like the leveling system. Boom. One positive out the gate. Check it off the Check it off. list. Uh, okay, I have one more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is like I when I more. talked about Mass Effect Andromeda. It's like, here I have one more positive. I, like. I, I actually really like the map. I think it's got a lot of fun places to explore. I don't remember any of the previous Fallout maps doing interesting scale. There were like skyscrapers in uh, Fallout 4 that you could climb up. But this map has some like big things, big power plants. There was a drilling facility which had uh, one of those crater excavating quarry type things you see in a lot of sci-fi. There's one in one of the Destiny 2 raids, like the mm. massive drills that spin around. There was one of those sites and the map just has some really fun scale to it. It also has some pretty cool random encounters with some big beasties like the Scorch Beast. I think there's a, there's a Mothman out there somewhere. And there's some other beasts that appear. And I just think the general exploration of Fallout... I was going to say Fallout 4, but just Fallout in general is still there. And I have always liked it. It doesn't engage you for that long. But mm. every now and then I just get in the mood for... Just for a wonder, to be honest. I like to put it on the radio and have a little explore. And be like, oh, I found a cave. And I think that novelty of gameplay has stayed with me ever since I played like Oblivion and Skyrim and uh, Fallout 3 and New Vegas. I just find it fun to wander around and find unexpected stuff. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to find NPCs. Again, everyone's talked about that, so I won't go into that too much. <clears throat> but I do think the environmental stuff is pretty varied and interesting. There's like frozen areas and there's the usual hmm. radiation shit and there's a lava area with mines. And Does it like, feel, um, they said it was four times bigger than Fallout 4. Does it feel that big? Because I, when I was playing with uh, you guys, remember I said I'm just going to like wander up here. And I feel like I opened the map and put a marker that was a long ways away and I got there in like three minutes. It, it actually does feel quite big. Okay. Because there is a lot of locations to explore. 
Unfortunately, there's not really much to find in the locations. Yeah. Not really much to find. Um, I will say that the novelty of playing... I've said novelty too much, but... I find f playing the game with a person, a friend, a co-op buddy, to be a pretty unique experience. There aren't many co-op action RPGs of this scale. Hmm. They just don't exist yet. I don't know why. Maybe they're a nightmare to make. Maybe I just don't know about them. But I, you know, I played a couple of sessions with Ben and I, I really enjoyed them. Uh, maybe not because of the game, just because it was fun to explore an environment with another human being. Right. Um, I also I quite like the loot system. It's really stingy with weapons, which at first, for the first 10 hours, is kind of frustrating. You're just using a pipe pistol, and you're like, I'm sick of this pipe pistol. But because they're a bit more stingy with the weapon handouts, when you do get a new weapon, it's really kind of exciting. You're like, oh! Like, you know that feeling in Destiny when you've been maining a weapon for, like, 20 hours and you finally find something new? And it's like, ooh, there's a new weapon in my hand. Fallout mm -hmm. really has... Fallout 76 has that feeling. And I is like it, that. Is it more feeling like that feeling when you beat a boss fight that you really don't like and you're like, thank God I never have to do that again? Is it like, <laughs> thank God I never have to use this piece of shit gun that takes has a rate of fire of like one per minute? <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's like relief that you're f yeah, not but using I feel a like, pea shooter. I feel like that's, that's still a sense of progress. Sure, I you guess know, so, yeah. This game's like Stardew Valley where you're like, I don't want to <clears throat> fucking water these plants every day. It's a nightmare. Yeah. And then you finally get the sprinklers and you're like, oh, yes. That's true. Sprinklers. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Overcoming an annoyance is still a sense of progress. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah, <laughs> so the Stardew Valley like is a good comparison because that's a similar thing of like, thank God I never have to water yeah. these again. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, <clears throat> uh, even though because of those qualities, I have managed to have fun with Fallout seventy six. I am still on the internet's side when it comes to the rest of the game, uh, just because I'm quite tolerant when it comes to rough games doesn't mean that I am on Fallout's side or on Bethesda's <laughs> side. This game is an unfinished piece of junk, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, yeah. It's almost borderline insulting to ask I for $60 for this thing. I would say it is, yeah. And I want to talk about something that I don't know, I think some people have talked about it, but a lot of people are just mainly focusing on the bugs and the fact that it looks like a game from 2013. One thing I want to talk about is it feels unfinished in its general design and format. Yes. It feels like it's in the very early experimental stages. Like you're in behind the scenes of Bethesda and they've only just started talking about PvP, <clears throat> VATS, and how to balance uh, the solo experience and the co-op experience. And this is the first build after that meeting. Yeah. And this would be what you expect like two years ago. This is Wait. like I'm the the environments should have been in like gray box state where it's just like yes. you're, you've got the gameplay systems up and running now let's figure out content yeah because the problem uh, is it doesn't work format wise for anyone really no, uh, I played yeah. some of the game solo and I didn't think the NPC stuff was gonna bother me because in Fallout Four I really love the NPC stuff in Fallout Three and New Vegas. In Fallout Four, I didn't like the NPC stuff. I thought the characters sucked. I thought all yeah. the dialogue sucked, and I didn't care about the story. And I still managed to have fun in Fallout Four, even though I wasn't into that aspect. So I was like, you know what? I like exploring. So whatever. I shrugged that off. 
but playing it solo, it really is quite tedious to play on your own. Just even though some yeah. of the robots have personalities and technically they are NPCs, there's just some there's a spark missing from just having robots and terminals to talk to over and over again, and maybe one super mutant merchant. There's just something really missing, and I don't just mean obviously humans. Like there's a spark and energy missing from the game, and it's quiet for longer periods of time when you're playing solo, because the other people don't really interact because there's not much reason to. I have heard of some people having fun party experiences where they party up with a stranger. I have not encountered that personally. Most people who are fans of Fallout are solo players. You know, not no one's (laughs) no CS:GO people have bought this game to you know go into the PvP. So most people just keep to themselves. So I don't really see other players. And when you do, you just kind of like nod your head at them and then just go on your own way. So the Especially because world... you've probably turned voice chat off because there's no push-to-talk mm-hmm. option, which yes. is a terrible so, idea. <laughs> solo play, the world feels really empty and quiet, and the pacing doesn't feel right. Yeah. But when you play with co-op, they are trying to push story on you through numerous voice logs and text boxes. And I guess a text thing, it, that's a way of delivering some aspects of a story. But the opening of the game yeah. is maybe the worst opening of a video game I've ever played. <laughs> God, it's, it was awful. It's so bad. Because I think most people... Actually, I don't know this, but a lot of people jumped in with their friends because that, you know, that's the new thing with Fallout 76. And there are so many voice logs, or whatever you call them. They asked me to record this about uh, how to boil water, so I'm just going to ramble in your ear for the next 45 minutes about the time where I was out boiling water with the... You know... <laughs> There's so many of them that they overlap each other by the time you get to the next God, one. God, it's awful. Like, one hasn't finished by the time you find another one. It was making me feel like I was going crazy. Yeah. And if you're playing with friends, it's like, what do you do? What if you're on a party of... I can't remember what the maximum party size is. Four or six people or something like that? Sure, yeah. Like, are you supposed to just tell everyone to shut up? Because it's not... Joe, I'm listening. I can't hear the story, Joe. Quiet. Shut up, yeah. It doesn't play for the party. It plays for just you. <laughs> So you have to, like, tell your friends to shut up or mute them, and it's the most unsociable story format ever. And it's a multiplayer game. It's such a, like, it feels so early in its design. It feels like it's in the figuring it out stage, like they're experimenting. Like, Vats is nonsense. It's really strange Vats. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. And I don't understand how they mess it up, because we played some Red Dead Online, and they have Deadeye where you auto-target someone and it doesn't pause the game. And it just works. It just looks kind of natural. But in Vats, like, the gun doesn't point where someone is and it just doesn't make any sense. It looks so bizarre. And the PvP is just a disaster, which doesn't make sense to me because lots of other games have figured out PvPs. Also, they've made an MMO. They've made... I know it's not the same company, but they're, they're parent companies, right? The Elder Scrolls Online people. Yeah, yeah. Elseworlds Online is part of the Bethesda family. Yeah, they can send him an yeah. email and say, how do you do PvP? Oh, well, yeah. MMOs, usually we have a PvP zone. You go into the zone and you can do PvP. And outside the zone, you can't, you know, fuck with each other. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, that makes complete sense. But instead, they made this strange poking system. And it just, it's so weird and immersion-breaking when you're like you're just like prodding <laughs> someone with an RPG and like hey, taking off me. this nugget of health. And then when they instigate the fight, you take damage immediately. 
So they can just walk up to you, taking no damage, and shotgun you in the face, and you're dead. And then you respawn next to them. And it's like... <laughs> so much of this game is unfinished format-wise. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yes, yeah. the game is hideously ugly. Yeah. Not just from, like, uh, low textures. I just think the aesthetics are quite messy and not nice to look at at times. Uh, actually, sometimes the game looks okay. I'm going to give it some credit. There's this, like, autumnal orange light which hits the tree sometimes, and I'm like, ah, this looks good. But a lot of times the game doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. And it runs like garbage, and it's obviously a console port because navigating the menus, you can't use the mouse. When you're doing... You didn't do building. In building, you have yeah. to press Z or C to go left and right. You can't click left or right with the mouse. It doesn't do anything. It's been ported from the console, and it's... It, Currently, it's a mess. I haven't played in like a week, but, you know, I'll get well, back to it. Yeah, like they did the same thing that they've always done, which is just sort of fart the game out onto PC with no respect for the fact that uh, the PC has a very different control interface, mm -hmm. which is how they've done it for many years. You know, Skyrim was a mess on mouse and keyboard. Fallout 4 was the same way. Uh, and you instantly went and searched out a mod to get make it better. Yeah. And it's the same way here. They're just like, there's a few few PC games like that this year, but Fallout 76 was definitely the worst, where it's just like, this is a nightmare to navigate. Like, what is it? Escape opens the map, and then you have to hit, like, C to go to the options menu. Like, I think I, like, I, Z is social as well. It's so bizarre. And the mm. Pip-Boy UI is just, oh, it's still so terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, it's just so bad. Uh, this game is... That was, yeah. You go on. You go for right. it. You go. I, I, okay. I was going to say, like, what you said, which is, you know, there's lots of uh, good, entertaining news videos and shenanigans about Fallout and how bad it is. And it sort of feels a little bit like the Mass Effect and Andromeda situation where it's like, oh, it's so buggy and unfinished. Everyone's ignoring the fact that, like, the, the worst thing about it is that it's fucking horribly written. Mm -hmm. And then with Fallout, it's like, I feel like people are forgetting the fact that, like, the game is fundamentally f like I I have no idea who the game is for and what the what they were thinking yeah. because like you said PVP is garbage PVE is you know crummy solo experiences are bad co-op experiences are bad there's no quests to do or you know there are but they're like fetch quests and it's all weirdly storytelling through mm -hmm. audio logs and every single part of it I just look at it and think I have absolutely no idea what they were thinking with this game. Like, I have no idea who it was for. It's uh, one of those games, it's very comparable to No Man's Sky. Because when No Man's Sky came out, I think there was a lot of anger, but people also just wanted answers. Because it was so far off what, what was promised. Yeah. People just wanted to know what the hell happened. And like it's like, oh, with No Man's Sky, you could kind of piece it together. You're like, they had this strange... Not really publishing deal with Sony, but they had a relationship with Sony, and it was like a strange market. To, I don't know what was going on with Sony. No one could really figure it out, but they had something with Sony. And we were like, well, there were small studios. We They were probably just like under pressure from Sony to pu publish it at this date, and they weren't ready, and they just didn't <laughs> yeah. control it very well. they ran well. out of money. Like, they've said so, you know. they, they were. Just, Are they? Oh. Yeah. They just straight up said, like, we ran out of money. Uh, okay. Yeah. But Bethesda's a stranger because even though Fallout yes. 4 wasn't that great, they they have a pretty clean track record so far. And Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, for sure. I don't know much yeah. about the publishing company, which is Zenith, right? 
Zenimax is like the parent Zenimax. company of Bethesda and then Bethesda Game Studio. It's such a weird thing because they have two companies with the same name, basically, you know. Yeah, uh, but I don't know how much control they have because I thought Bethesda published their own stuff. I thought they, they self-published. So if the game's not finished, just... It's not like with Andromeda where you're like, ah, oh, EA was probably breathing down their necks. They and did, The yeah, main team yeah. is working on our Anthem, so they're just like this small, you know, there's yeah. just like no Yeah, Mass Effect seats. and No Man's Sky both make sense uh, as to how yeah. they turned out the way they did. No Man's Sky was a very, like, I understand everyone's, and I also experienced the, the extreme disappointment and kind of like feeling of fraud with No Man's Sky to an extent. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I thought, it, I personally, I was it was easy to forgive because at most it was like a 12-man team and they were they were like trying to be very ambitious yeah. and it exceeded their grasp. They still built a game that has a, a you know 15 quintillion planets. Like there are things even about launch No Man's Sky that were still impressive to some degree. Mass Effect like it was just a a B team that was underfunded like EA just gave them no resources and then they forced the game out early. Yeah. Again, it's like I can understand the business and sort of forgive it a little bit. But Fallout 76 it's like okay, Bethesda as a whole company makes a lot of money because of Elder Scrolls and Fallout and Skyrim. Yeah. Uh, Fallout 4 sold like crazy. And they're a huge team with a lot of resources. And I I mean, I don't know what their finances are. Like maybe they needed a big hitter for this fall. But a big team with big resources putting out a game that is this poor, that has no ambition, is like pretty inexcusable. Yeah. Uh, it's It's like baffling. For this, yes. it's very confusing. I've even seen conspiracy videos start to pop up because there's, there's multiple things about the game that are confusing. Not that just it's incredibly rushed, but that it's so dated looking. And I, you know, we talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. It's not about the graphics being bad. It's just the fact that the engine seems to have gone backwards. Yeah, which I've never seen happen in games over the course of it, it three years. It looks worse years. than Fallout Four. It does. Like I, I played Fallout Four on PC, and and it's certainly an ugly game at times. But there were, you know, aspect like it, it looked fine. I thought for the most part when it came hmm. out on PC, uh, it was like, and even at times it was kind of nice looking because they there was some good art and you know good draw distances and a little bit of PC tweaking pushed it. But like seventy six just looks like shocking it's shocking to me when i saw how bad it looked so i Um, actually watched a conspiracy theory video oh good okay yes and it was kind of interesting uh the long story short was that todd howard had a very (laughs) ambitious look to the future he wanted to do starfield and he wanted to do elder scrolls 6 and he wanted to make them the most ambitious thing that uh, bethesda has ever done and then this guy had a theory. Uh, I, I maybe should link the video for this because it was kind of interesting. He's, he had actually quite a lot of inside business knowledge of this stuff. And he was talking about Zenimax. And apparently it's not, even though Todd is lead man, he's boss man, it's not that easy to just be like, I want to hire uh, 200 more people and I want to, you know, chuck X amount of money into this. Yeah, you know, he he doesn't like overrule. He's not the head of the company. He's, yes, he's not know, the Mr. Chairman. He doesn't overrule. He's not the Mr. People. Number One. Yeah. So apparently, the theory is he went to Zenimax and he's like, "Okay, will you grant me this crazy expansion of Bethesda Games if we pivot Fallout into this multiplayer, very profitable machine?" Yeah. 
And then they were like, yes, okay, we give you all the people. Uh, and then the theory continues that most people are currently working on Elder Scrolls Six, yeah. and Well, Starfield, yeah. And Starfield. Uh, maybe simultaneously or not, I don't know. Uh, Sounds like, yeah, whatever. And yeah. Fallout 76 was not intended to be such a disaster. It was never intended to be a masterpiece, but it's just like a plot that really kind of got out of control. Because the negative PR... <laughs> has been, yeah, the worst since No Man's Sky. It's, it's been and, catastrophic. Yeah. Like, that from all that business-wise makes sense. You know, that's that's what companies are doing. And it makes sense to put out a big cash cow, and Fallout yeah. is their cash cow, and Skyrim, and so that you can fund development of more ambitious projects. Mm-hmm. The problem, though, is that where I where I get confused is like, again, what the fuck were they thinking with fallout 76 (laughs) yeah like i get i understand and think the idea of it all is very good but the thing they put out is an abomination and i don't know i i i mean companies and ceos and business people are very detached from reality i would say that's been proven many Mm. times over over the last few years and if there are if there are actually people inside Bethesda and Zenimax that thought seventy six was okay and that it was going to make them lots of money, they which they have to have there have to have been people that thought that. Then mm-hmm. those people are out of their minds. Like yeah. they are so far detached from reality that it's like just shocking. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like I just and it doesn't help that <laughs> like the game was terrible. And then they've just had like six weeks or five weeks of just endless bad PR blunders yeah. on top of that. It's been incredible. Um, in Oh, I forgot to mention, in oh the uh, the God. theory video, the engine did come into it. Because apparently replacing or, sorry, not replacing, updating the creation engine. Uh, this guy said it might be like $100 million to upgrade an engine. Which I have well, no yeah, idea how accurate that is. Pull it out of your ass, yeah. Maybe just putting that out of thin air. But apparently it's very complicated to update an engine. So Todd, in the in the theory, wanted funding for that as well. So yeah, but like I mean, everyone updates their engines as they go. That like yes, all the stuff with the engine shit was dumb in a sense because like oh they're still using the same engine for the next games. It's like well, I mean we're you know Call of Duty and is still like the Destiny games are still built on the Halo engines. And you can update way, any you know, software. Like, exactly, you update and rebuild to like the Gorilla Gorilla with. Uh, uh, what the, what the fuck is it? Horizon? I can't remember. You know, Horizon is built on the Killzone tech. They just rebuilt it to work <clears> to do what they need to do. Like you know, you build on top of things and rebuild. But like the engine thing also comes into an argument where it's like, yes, you would think they would have done that, wouldn't you? But <laughs> then you look at Oblivion, which I've seen you've been playing a couple of these last couple of days. Yeah, I've been enjoying uh, it actually. Oblivion to Fallout seventy six, like technical and visual i bet there's not that big of a different you know obviously they look very different but like they haven't progressed their technology at all uh in like 10 years it feels like and it really shows like it really shows uh and i don't know what them saying we're using the same engine for the next two games was a very dumb thing to say out loud they they should have just said oh you know we'll we'll keep updating things don't worry about it and you'd think that like oh maybe with the progression of time 
and a lot of money from Fallout 4 and a lot less things going on in Fallout 76 that it would at least look a little better, uh, but it doesn't. Um, yeah. You... It's shocking as well to see the E3 chat from Todd where he just like... Yes. It, that was he, weird. Like, they're just lying. Like, it's just They must false. be lying. Like, 16 times the detail? No. A reworked lighting and, and rendering engine? Like, no, dude. It looks as bad and worse than Fallout 4. Like, it's... Mm. Just, uh, I mean, but graphics are only part of it. I just think, fundamentally, I, I just have no idea who it's for or why they made it. I mean, I know why they made it. I just don't know who it's for or, or what they were thinking with their... I, I hesitate to even call it design of the game because there is so little there. Uh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I, I've pretty much touched on all the points that I wanted to bring up. You know, the I, I like some of the game and I even intend to play a little more with Ben because I genuinely have fun wandering around. But it's not one of those games where once I've seen the map, I ain't coming back ever, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'll just be done. Yeah, I just... My, my four hours with it was probably the most boring time i've had with a game uh like i i just couldn't figure out why i would want to play it solo and i <laughs> couldn't figure out why i would want to play it with you guys because yeah we weren't doing anything together uh, i wasn't interacting with any other random people because i have all the voice chat muted and the quests were a boring slog and i was like well, why am i playing this and then they gave me a refund thank christ i do think uh, it gets I, it gets better with time because right at the mm. beginning, it's just the fucking scorched for like 15 hours. And they're yeah. so annoying to, to play They don't against. really have AI either. Like, they just sort of run directly at yeah. you. Yeah. And if you yeah. are, like, maining a bolt action rifle, oh, God. holy shit, you better have a shotgun and a lot of shotgun shells for the first 15 hours because, like, a bolt action rifle is useless. Yeah. But, like, I have, I've wandered out a bit and I'm using some better weapons. I found my first set of power armor. And I am managing to have some fun. Mm. but it just that doesn't um doesn't forgive the the sins that they have committed with this game it's very anti-consumer this game and yeah. i, I think, think the internet is right to not really stand for it no yeah totally fuck this like i there's nothing worse to me than a game that is made with a complete lack it feels like a complete lack of love or respect for anyone that's ever bought their games like mm. it feels like they made a game without love for the ip which yes. people adore and it feels like they made it with a complete disregard for like they just treat ever like they just presume everyone's just a like cow to the slaughter like just come buy it you pig who cares it's fallout fucker give us your money you'll buy whatever we sell you and it's like no no like you can't get away with that and it, there's nothing worse than just a company farting something out so blatantly to try and get money from you. And that it's yeah. also full of microtransactions as well. It's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> what? Well, a, it's just, it's an abomination. Yes. <laughs> like, We're going to see in the future if there was some plan. Was this for a bigger cause? Is Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six going to be glorious? We will have to see. But yeah. if there was like no bigger objective and Starfield comes out looking rough, Oh boy, uh, it's going to be a rough future for Bethesda because They've there's like, some yeah. good-looking RPGs coming up. The thing from Obsidian announced yesterday looks cool. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, Cyberpunk's gonna fucking destroy everything, so... Not only is there more competition in, in the RPG genre now, because they used to kind of dominate it... Oh, yeah. Open-world the RPGs were their thing. Yeah, the world is, like, time. waiting. And Starfield, they have to nail it. They really they have, have to nail it. They have such an uphill battle to sell people on their next game, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially because their next game isn't Elder Scrolls. It's a new IP, and yeah. no one knows about it. So it's like, yeah, they, they have really... Uh, they, I mean, they did it all to themselves, you know, like, and they've spent the last like six weeks or how, what has it been a month since the game came out? Uh, there hasn't been anything really like in terms of what the plan is with 76 either. I mean, no, they, not that I've seen. There've been a be few fair, patches for sure. They have been talking about making the game, uh, you know, functional. <laughs> yeah. well, But I'd there hope. hasn't been any content plans about DLCs, etc. Which is kind of crazy that they haven't put like together, you know, a roadmap of like hey we're gonna if you're gonna fart it out like that and then you should at least own up to it like mm-hmm. come on and be like okay we you're right we've heard you we're working on optimizations those are gonna happen you know over the next three weeks then we're gonna get to, to like fair, pc we're gonna they, rebuild they the did UI release and, a statement okay that's good on the subreddit they on the didn't sub, okay, well. explain why they were just like we are hearing you we're not communicating good enough we will have these updates you want very soon which was push a talk uh stash size because it was tiny yes and there was a couple of other things performance yeah but they, they didn't really give people the answers they wanted which is why did you push it out why is it the way yeah. it is and what were you thinking <laughs> if it was if this game was 30 or 40 dollars and it was in early access uh and it was still you know all it was fallout 76 they were just like we're we're we don't really know what we're doing. We know it's a mess. Here it is for a lower price, and we've tagged it with early access. It would be a lot more acceptable. Yeah. Uh, but that they are charging, treating it just like a normal full price AAA video game is just astonishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes. you know, we we needed a good villain this year, I guess. Uh, we didn't really have yeah. one. EA stepped up to the plate big time last year, and Bethesda just sort of came out out of nowhere out and we're like it's us baby we're the villain yeah. this year hold my uh, beer yeah um so yeah uh, unfortunate because <laughs> i was highly anticipating fallout 76 because i as i said i've i've wanted a online action yeah. rpg like bethesda's stuff since i played oblivion and even though fallout 4 was not as good as i wanted it to be they still had a, like a fine track record of making fine games. Yes, 100%. So yeah. I Fallout just, 4 is their only blunder, really. And it's not even that dramatic of a so blunder. I, I just never expected it to be this disappointing and bad. Yeah. But, you it's, know, yeah. there will be a, a big, awesome co-op action RPG one day. Someone's going to make it, and I look forward to it. Yeah. I do find it funny that the next thing they make is Starfield... Because not only does it have to be amazing, but it has to be better than Outer Worlds. <laughs> right. Yeah, they have to <laughs> compete Outer with Worlds their old competitors. It's Fallout in space. Yeah. Like, they're not even ashamed of it. Because, you know, fuck no. it. They made, they invented Fallout. Maybe not the 3D version, but, you know, people like New Vegas from Obsidian. So, whatever. Yeah. They're making Fallout in space. Bethesda has such an uphill battle. Like, it's, it's, gonna it's be amazing. Tough. You know, yeah. especially also because it doesn't help that Red Dead came out like two weeks before oh, it. No, it doesn't at all. And honestly, Red Dead Online is like all I needed from Fallout. Like, put in some basic story stuff, some cuts or some NPCs that send you out on basic missions 
you know, and if you build a, a an emergent enough sandbox, then basic story stuff is fun. It's fine. It's more than enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that one little mission we did up in the mountains was like 45 minutes and that was great. And it was mainly yeah. just because the world is interesting. Mm-hmm. It, like, I, I just, yeah, I'm just so, so, so astonished by Fallout 76. I just... I have no idea what they were thinking. It's a mystery for now. Yeah. And I'm fascinated to see what the next like three months are like, what it's what the next year is like, and then longer term what yeah. Starfield is like. I mean, uh, No Man's Sky's had a comeback, so there's hope for everyone, I guess. I suppose, yeah. Maybe. Uh crazy. Good. Uh what a twist though. What a fun twist. Yeah, I don't know if fun's the right word, but it's certainly a <laughs> twist. <laughs> It's been a nice, you know, uh, car crash to spectate. Like, they did a good job of selling it at E3 as well. Like, which I yeah. guess is, you know, Todd is a good salesman. Uh, he is, yeah. And their E3 pitch was, like, kind of convincing. Yeah, um, country roads, take me home, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly the hottest mess of the year, I would say. Yes. Uh, it's got to it be one. It just keeps going. It's amazing. Like, I... I like what's going to happen next what dumb bethesda news is going to come out next you know there was the security breach the other day yeah it's just it's amazing Uh, (laughs) oh boy tire fires can be entertaining to watch from a distance they can yeah anyway moving on from fallout 76 maybe we'll do a fallout 76 one year later like we did with (laughs) joe i'm never playing i know i can't do it i know uh (laughs) until starfield then until starfield the next is Hitman 2, the follow-up yeah. to Hitman 1. Again. Again. <laughs> Hitman 1, 2. Hitman 1, 2016. So I'm going to start. Okay. I'm going to start. So <laughs> I could not get into Hitman 2 at all. Really? I was, yeah. I was not feeling Hitman 2, and I feel really guilty about it. Because you liked the first game. I did like the first game. And I felt kind of... This is the first time I felt guilty about not getting into a game. Because I still genuinely, objectively believe the game is fun. And the format's really fun. Yeah. But I played the first map, which is awesome. I think it's the best one in the entire package. Probably, yeah. Uh, Because it's got... One of the targets is in a... Not NASCAR. I don't know what racing thing it is. A, but ra- a Formula something. A Formula car. something, whatever car. Yeah. And it was, that was a really cool map. I found it annoying to navigate. But apart from that, it was great. And then straight after, I played the second map. And I was like, eh, this one's, you know, kind of feels like the same. And then just... I had no interest by the third or fourth or fifth. I was just... If for some reason, to me, I hit the re- the repetition wall really quickly with hitman 2 and i don't hmm. know why because That's i loved weird. hitman 1 and it's the same thing yeah i but mean this is for all intents and purposes just season two of season the two hitman yeah. one yeah and i think maybe for me i think the episodic format was what made it work <laughs> for me so fascinating and it was the thing that everyone complained about and they changed yeah. for the second thing because Which everyone is, I, Probably for the better, I think, for the what for the you know sort of wider audience, I think. Yeah, uh, but but I understand from an outside perspective why people thought the episodic release, whatever you call it, was taking advantage of people and it was looking yeah. for extra money. Uh, but if you actually played the game, 
it made more sense because they all play exactly the same. No, exactly is a harsh word. They all play very similar. The format, you know, seek the targets, find out a fun way to uh, take them out, follow the story, or just, you know, do your own thing. And they all kind of play out exactly the same. And when you play them back to back to back, I just was finding it very repetitious. Hmm. Because I'm not very good at doing... I'm not very good at going solo in the game. I mess everything up. And then I end up just like messily just chucking something at the at the target. So I usually follow the in-game uh, missions and stories because they're fun. Yeah. They they lead you Those into unique scenarios, and then there's an execution at the end. But by map two, or maybe map three, I kind of just felt I was playing it only to see how they died, almost like hmm. a Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, it felt like the process just wasn't that inspired, and. The labeling of two, I think, misled me to feeling like it was going to play at least a little bit differently. Oh, it, no, no. And it that, really yeah. is the exact same experience. And I do wish... I, I really want this to be uh, the problem was me and not the game because I, 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 I feel for these guys because I think the game's great. I love, I've loved Hitman since the PS2 era. But I do wish they'd maybe just added a little something-something to mix up just a bit. There was a scenario on the last map where there were two guys on, on on an edge of a cliff and they were having a chat. So it was like a scripted moment. They're having a scripted chat. They're having a conversation. And I would go and I'm like, okay, I'm going to push both these guys off the cliff, assuming that it would work. Because it's all set up for it. And it yeah. doesn't work. I just push one guy off the cliff. I'm detected by the guy next to him, obviously. Oh, and I'm, yeah. I'm in melee combat, which is quite loud. So people all around me have been alerted. And it was just kind of disappointing that there just wasn't a, like something... And right then, I was like, eh, double takedowns. That's something that Assassin's Creed did a while ago. That would have been yeah. a neat addition. Maybe a screwdriver in each hand and, you know. Or hit. just a push, you know, when they're stand, both standing there. You just walk up behind the two of them and push them with, you have two hands. You know? Yeah. And it, it, uh. I, I feel guilty. <laughs> I feel guilty about not having a great time with this game. And I've never really felt like that before. Because also, I'm, I think of myself as quite a forgiving guy. I had fun with Fallout 76, for fuck's sake. Like, I'm yeah, quite forgiving. Yeah, something's wrong with you, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just... thing is, I I wasn't like, oh, this game sucks. I just wasn't feeling it. I just yeah. was not... So the not... episodic format was a special thing for that worked for you then. That's. I really think it did. Yeah. And I also, when Hitman was being released slowly over 2016, it was exciting. I used yeah. to get really excited for another chunk of Hitman. And I would play each map like three or four times and then just wait for like two more months. I loved it. Hmm. And I just, I don't think releasing it all at once worked for me. Because it's so not I the will format. Say, yeah. It's not the format. I still think it's fun. I think the game, yeah. I, the game actually looks really good in my new rig as well. It looks great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it has like a fun sense of uh, silliness, the way you can just oh, chuck God, weapons so at people. Funny. Yeah. And, you know, there's the Easter eggs of flying off as the flamingo. The game has a oh fun God, charm to it. Amazing. But there's just something about maybe what I'm looking for in games at the moment or mm. the formula where I just couldn't get into it. I bet it sounds like it was the episodic thing that really made the first one yeah, work for you, I which is so. really interesting. Yeah. I will say regarding it being like functionally more or less identical to the mm. first game. I mean, again, that, yeah, that, that's more of like, it's sort of just business that happened, you know, like yeah, I'm not asking for much, like just a little, no, no. a little something. 
Well, like, yeah, I, again, like, yeah, I mean, this was definitely, su- this was just supposed to be, you know, the second season of more of the first game's content, yeah. but then all that dumb business shit happened, and I'm glad that, you know, they they were able to even put any more Hitman out, uh, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And I think for, you know, in theory, putting it out all at once on a disc is better for business. Unfortunately, they put it out at a busy time of year, and no one has bought the game. Mm. Um and there are, you know, there are certainly a few small quality of life changes, like with the way they uh, just sort of color code stuff on the map on the left hand side, uh, which they actually did that to the first game right like last year. Um, so they were like continually updating and adding mechanics to Hitman One. Yeah. Uh, and those have carried into two, and then like the only new thing I can think of is like the mirrors now work, you know, which is, I haven't, enc- <laughs> I haven't, that hasn't gotten in my way once yet. No. Um, and, and maybe they will add more mechanics down the road, but, uh, you saying that the episodic format worked for you is neat because I, in playing Hitman 2, realized that the episodic format is what got in my way. <laughs> yeah. I can tell from well, the, your playtime compared to the first game. We've almost flipped reverses. I yes. think I put about 20 hours into Hitman 1. I don't think you played it much, and I I barely scraped Hitman two before hitting the wall. Yeah, so um, I think Hitman two is amazing, and I have had it all click with me. Uh, That's good. In a way, I never thought it would happen. And That's good. In reflection and trying to understand why I, it has clicked for me, I think it is because it's all here at once. And when Hitman the first season was coming out. What I would find myself doing is I would play through the map, have a great time. Like once in a while, I might do an elusive target. Mm. Even then, I think you only did maybe two. Uh, I would play the map, have a great time, and then think, well, I've got like five weeks to mess with this map before the next one comes out. I'll mess with it next weekend. And then the weekend, I'll mess with it. Oh, oh, I didn't get it. Oh, I'll try. Okay, I'll mess with it the weekend after that one. Mm. And then the new map would be out and I hadn't, I wouldn't have touched it. And then I would do the, I would just repeat the exact same thing over and over again. I'd play it through once. I would trick myself into thinking I would play it more before the next <laughs> map comes out. And then the next map would be out. And with Hitman 2, all of it being there, I basically just committed myself to putting time into it to mm. find to experience that I, I basically you know i did the normal thing played through all the maps once had a good time and then i was like okay i'm gonna go on to the the tutorial map the nighttime house mission which is a cool mission yeah. and i'm gonna do everything on it and i'm gonna see if i enjoy that and it, it and that works really well because it's a small map there's only like you know 10 or 15 things it's half an hour an hour to get everything done and and that was when it was like, oh, okay, I, I I get it now. And that has basically allowed me to find the pleasure of Hitman. And it is mainly just me forcing myself initially to put time into it to try and see the brilliance that everyone else has seen for a while. Not that I didn't like the first Hitman. I, I had a great time with it, but I didn't spend tons of time with it. And now... I have already doubled my playtime time from all of Hitman 1 in 2. Yeah, and have you been going I, back to the Hitman 1 maps just out of interest? I have played... Okay, so here's where it went. I played through it all once. I did everything on Hawk's Bay and I was like, that was cool. I wish I had a silenced sniper rifle Ooh. because I did the thing where you snipe the lady from the grass, uh, which was a challenge. You know, si- sniper assassin suit only. 
And I was like, and it was really hard because it was an unsuppressed sniper rifle. So what I would have to do is, you know, when you blow the truck up to escape yeah, uh, from that map, I would, this is what also switched me to mouse and keyboard. I shoot the thing to trigger the explosion and timed my sniper shot to the explosion, which happens like 0.5 of a second after I shoot it initially with the suppressed pistol. And, and it basically, that's how I managed to do it. And I was like, well, that was a nightmare, uh, but I did it. That was cool. And I was like, I need a suppressed sniper rifle. So I go through all of the mastery challenges to see what the unlocks are for. Uh, and I found the Colorado level from Hitman 1 has a suppressed sniper rifle at like level 10 or 15 or something. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to chase down this sniper rifle. Oh, and then you can I, take it into other levels. Yes. Whenever you unlock oh. something, you can bring it into any mission. That's cool. Yeah. So I spent a bunch of time on Colorado uh, unlocking the suppressed sniper rifle. And then all of my time since has just been basically on Miami. And I haven't done anything else on any of the other maps yet. Hmm. Uh, I've spent like 15 hours on Miami alone getting, I've done almost everything on Miami. I'm max level on it. I've unlocked everything. I've pretty much got the whole thing memorized and it's amazing. It's so, there's a real, I've really found great pleasure in, uh, mastering it in mastering it. Yes. It's, I have a good brain for, uh, like map layouts and stuff like that. And so it's sort of suited to the way my brain remembers things. And I'm good at remembering where things are and how to get to them. And it's been really fun to like, yeah, master the map and be like, okay, I know exactly where this thing is that I need. I know I need to grab this here and what the route is to get there. And I can do it all undetected in my suit if I need to now, because I know where the cameras are. And it's really enjoyable to do that. And I've also, in doing that, I also realized that like it's, Hitman is a weird, like, Rube Goldberg clockwork puzzle game uh, of trial and error and experimentation. And it's not really a Hitman... You can play it as, like, a Hitman simulator if you want to, but it is a kind of ridiculous, very video gamey uh trial and error clockwork puzzle game. And that realization also has brought me to enjoy the game more than I ever thought I would. Uh, mm-hmm. they, I appreciate how much it is just a video game. The fact that you can be starting to be b- detected by someone who's suspicious of you and you just crouch in front of them <laughs> yeah. and they're like, oh, no problem. Is hol- <laughs> Hitman 2 is one of the funniest games I've played in a long time. Uh, it's just so like naturally, effortlessly funny and everything, like everything Agent 47 does is so... He's so stoic the whole time, and yeah. it's so hun- so funny. And other things like the fact that you can you can complete challenges, like let's say you have a challenge, like there's uh, assassination challenges where it's like kill this person by knifing them, shooting them in the head, blowing them up. You just get in a position where you can attack the guy and save your game, shoot him, reload, snipe him, sh- reload, blow him up, and you unlock all the challenges regardless of when you reload as soon as you complete the challenge it's unlocked and it's just (laughs) like well that's dumb that's just such a video game thing to do i should have to like complete the level to have that count and i think that's how it was initially with hitman one actually i could be wrong but it's just like they don't care they're it's just unapologetically video gamey and it's just about they most of the decisions are made to just like what's the most enjoyable decision we can make we don't need it to be like a hardcore thing 
And uh, yeah, I, I have had a really, really fantastic time with Hitman 2, and I'm glad that I was finally able to uh, get find the, the magic of it. Uh, yeah, because that's good. it is a really amazing game. Uh, yeah. Both the first or the second. And the, the fact that the second one has, you can pay like 25 bucks and get everything from the first game in it is also like there is so much content in Hitman 2 if you want it, mm-hmm. uh, which is really exciting to me. Like I will probably play it for months. Uh, cool. Yeah. I've had a, a phenomenal time with it. Um <sighs> I feel bad because I really like them as a company as well. I just want them to do well. Yeah. And I want to support them. And I don't know why my brain just isn't clicking with it this time. Yeah, that's too bad. It's like it's the, fascinating. Though. It's the first time in a long time where I'm like, this game is good, but I'm not into it. Mm. It's a strange one. I'm yeah. usually either just enjoying a game or just I miss it completely or I just hate a game. This is a very strange scenario where I like respect and enjoy the game. We did we did a little Facebook video for it yesterday, and I enjoyed that session. Yeah, I, I just the motivation to like learn the levels is for some reason gone. I had that with Hitman One, and I got pretty good at uh, not all of them, but quite a few of the levels. And I played a bunch of them, especially Paris, the fashion show. Yeah, I know that map like the back of my hand. I don't know if I just didn't click with the maps because I do. I can't tell if this is like a biased mindset because I enjoyed the first one more. I don't know if it's like rose-tinted glasses, but I mm. do think I liked the first set of maps more than the second set of maps. And yeah, I'm not, I haven't played enough, I don't think, uh, to, to say that for sure, but I can yeah. definitely see that. Hit, uh, Paris and Sapienza are amazing. Oh, so good. Uh, I, really I think like Miami the, uh, the is weird... amazing, but I, yeah, I haven't played enough. I like the weird Japanese map at the end of Hitman as well. That was a mm. bit different. And there was one more. It's gone from my memory, but... The... I... Um... The, the uh, Vermont level in Hitman 2 is really cool. Yeah, it's different. Uh, and I actually really like the final level because it's so crazy and uh, ridiculous. Oh, what's the, like, uh, is Bangladesh? The really exotic one. I can't remember where it is. Oh, yeah, the Bangkok Hotel one. That's in it. Hitman. Yeah, that, oh, that one good. looks yeah. so good. Yeah. And for some yeah, reason, I, I, yeah. yeah, I have. I don't know for sure if I like which game I like the levels more in because I, I haven't played enough of them. Yeah, so. But I can definitely yeah. see the first one having... More map, better map. It's just one of those things where just my brain was the enemy. It just, it yeah. just wasn't giving it to me. I just wasn't and enjoying was, myself. Yeah. I don't know why. That's and the I'm same sad. with Hitman One for me. Basically, it's interesting that we've basically completely flipped. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if it's a combination of the format and just some time uh, changing. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think for me, if I'd played the first level, like I did not like when Hitman Two came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, the second level was not even out yet. So it was coming out in mm. January. I do think I would have enjoyed that a lot more hmm. for me. Yeah. I just, there was something really nice about always having a Hitman level on the way. Yeah. It was just like well, a you nice could, little you release know, thing. Trick yourself into having it be episodic. <laughs> I should have done. I really should have done. After level just don't two. don't play any of the other ones. Yeah. I should have figured it out and be like, oh, okay, this is what my brain's doing. But I didn't when I played all of them. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why aren't I having fun? I don't get it. That's a shame. It is a shame. But I it's, just want I want to stand up for Hitman and say that very I think good. it's I think it's me and not the game. Yeah. I, I think it is better it's a better game than the first one. They've the, the small quality of life improvements have gone go a long ways. Like just the mm-hmm. the fact that it's more obvious when you're trespassing or uh wanted and stuff like that. Just by 
making the callouts on the map more visible. Uh, small things like that uh, yeah. go a long ways to just making the game more pleasant. And, and if uh, anyone hasn't played it, I would very much recommend putting the full package, uh, season two and season one, on their wish yeah. list on Steam and just, you know, wait. It will probably go on sale pretty soon because it hasn't done very well. Yeah. And it will yeah, probably go down to like 30 bucks and that would be an absolute bargain you for got, the, the amount yeah, of content. If you get all of the content for like under 50 bucks, it's an absurd amount of content. It's 12 like, sandboxes, basically. Yeah, and you could spend 20 or 30 hours on each of them if you wanted <laughs> to. Like, I, like I, I have spent, like I said, about 15 hours on Miami alone, which is crazy. I think for uh, me, maybe if they mixed up the formula a little bit. I, mm. I kind of enjoyed the, the sniper map. I did not try it in Hitman 1. Because I think it was also in the first game, the sniper-only level. The one... Is that the one with the, with the mansion? Yeah. Okay. There was a, a sniper-only level for Hitman 1, but it wasn't that mansion. I yeah. Think. But I, I quite enjoyed it. It wasn't perfect because there's a lot of waiting around. <laughs> yeah. But just there being a bit of variance in the format, I was like, ah, that was neat. I wouldn't <laughs> I really do it again. I really disliked that sniper mission. It had problems. <laughs> It had problems because I didn't understand what the hell I was doing. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. It had like all these like Here's yellow. The thing. You can turn any map into a sniper only mission, Joe. Not really. <laughs> you I... have a vantage point. Like the... I know you're saying. Oh, you know, you'd be surprised what Actually, you could I do did, with this. I did find one in the last map. A vantage point. Oh, interesting. When we were doing our little recording, I found a, a clock tower you could climb up. I did a run of Miami on the hardest difficulty with a suppressed sniper rifle only in my suit in three minutes, and I sniped both of the targets, uh, and it was nice. fucking amazing. I saw and one where like, he kicked one target off of a balcony onto the Yeah, that's one the of car. the challenges. I haven't figured that was out how crazy. to do that yet. Yeah. And like, I, a, I, the game's so cool. Yeah. It's such a it cool is. game. It is, and it's so fun. Like, I can't stress enough how funny it is. Like, I have yeah. laughed out loud numerous times uh, playing it. It's... Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Basically, for this review, uh, Jameson, just cut out whenever I talk. And then just, just put in your opinion. Because <laughs> I want people to play it. Even yeah. though I didn't enjoy it. It's it's a shame they released it when they did. It's It, that, it would have made more sense uh, earlier in the year or, you know, later next year, like in the in April or something. I don't know. Uh, There's yeah. a busy time of year to put a game like that out. And it's too bad because it is really, it is really very, very excellent. Uh, yes, you, sh- you should play sh- Hitman. You should ignore it's me. It's a shame that business Hitman. keeps screwing poor IO Interactive over. Uh, like I don't know how they survive for the next couple of years if they don't get bought by someone. I don't yeah. think Hitman makes enough money for them. Uh, I really thought Hitman was a like a popular franchise from the last generation. I, I thought that as well, but I, I guess not. I don't why I don't it hasn't know. been carried by the fandom? Yeah, maybe it wasn't that big. Maybe it maybe, was. Maybe not. You know, maybe it was big for two generations ago when a yeah, big relative game was like, to, yeah. yeah, relative to the size of all game industry mm. stuff now. Uh, it's a shame. Oh, the the house with the muffin lady in it is straight up. The basement is straight up labeled as the murder basement when you're in Ooh. it. <laughs> I noticed that a couple of days ago as well. <laughs> There's some uh, messed up executions in this. Think in the Mumbai level, I buried the woman in wet cement. Oh my god! It, it like blasted out of this funnel. She was standing by wet wet cement, and she fell into this pit, and it just filled to the top. Jesus, nasty. There's some nasty stuff in that game. Yeah, it's it 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 can be kind of ruthless. 
ruthless, but it's also, oh my God. There's one uh, mission in Vermont. I don't know if you did it where you sell, you dress up as a real estate agent and sell, try to sell a house to the target. <laughs> I haven't done that. And you have or you haven't? No, I haven't. Okay, yeah. You dress up as the the real estate agent and you bring the target into the house and every room agent 47 goes in and describes to the client, he's just like, this floor is very dark. It would be easy to hide stains on it. And it's like, <laughs> the kitchen, prone to many accidents and sharp objects. Like every room he goes into, it's just like, how can I kill someone in, yeah. in this room? And that's his description to the client. It's so funny. The voice actor for Agent 47 is... He's a pro. He's so good. Yeah. He is such a pro at staying completely straight through all this dumb stuff they write for him. It's been the, been the same guy for every single game they've ever done. I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. For like um, 20 years or something. Yeah. It's it's really, really good. And I'm very... It's sad that you haven't clicked with it, but I'm so happy that I have clicked with it because I felt like I missed out a little bit yeah. uh, with the first game. Yeah, I'm glad I you did. clicked a bit because you, yeah, you didn't really yeah. feel the first game that much and it's great. Yeah. I, it was like number, you know, 12 on my top 10 or something. I just don't want the franchise to die because... I they, know. They, there's not much like it. No, there's nothing like it. Like, like Assassin's Creed doesn't really feel the, that power. You're not an assassin in that game. It's, it's, a, uh, it's like a power simulator where people don't yeah. know where you are and you know where they are and you're planning out their demise and it's like this yeah. sick and twisted simulator and I like it. Yes. <laughs> it's dark um, and it's fun. Totally. And I, I hope that they don't... Regard if they make more Hitman, I hope that they don't look at the f financial failures of these two games as meaning that they it's not good. Like mm. because I think the format that they have right now is so so fantastic, you know, and they can certainly add new mechanics, like you said. I yeah, um, I'd but, like that. But I think the structure of the game is really a huge part of what makes it so cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've certainly experimented with hitman before and maybe not to the best uh like absolution was a weird kind of eh game and yes it would be it would be sad to me a if we got no more hitman even though you know they're gonna do two more maps which is good but uh i would play it, it. would be tr it would be tragic if there was not like a third season of hitman uh or yeah. if they rebooted it and got rid of this format because it is it, it straddles, it balances like so many f things uh, really, really flawlessly, I think. Uh, <gasps> oh, poor Hitman. There's so many, there have been a lot of good, good games this gen that have been pooped on. Well, not pooped on, they, but just financially haven't done just well. Just financially disasters, yeah, which is a shame. Always I don't know what the people want. What do you want? They, they don't want good video games, apparently. No, they just want V-Bucks. <sighs> yeah, you're right. But let's get into something a little bit more positive for me, because I've been moaning the whole bloody Finally, time. Finally, a big baby. This happens Jesus. every November. Last November, yep. I was a miserable soul as well. You're like, eh, Wolfenstein's terrible. Odyssey's terrible. Wah, 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 no, that wah. was... Uh, November was World War II. Oh. Ooh. And <laughs> Battlefront. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's I fair. Think, oh, and also, I think in that one we did the Horizon DLC, and I didn't like it that oh, much. Oh, yeah, you just were like, <laughs> I hate everything. That's my that's my shtick. I Jesus. hated everything last November, and this November I've hated everything. And it's the exact opposite for me. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the best November in a couple of years for me. But no longer. <sighs> we're getting into an indie game which I feel like everyone's recommending, and I don't know if anyone's playing but everyone should be playing it. 
And it is... The smart people are playing it. Yes. Yeah. The good gamers. The Return? <laughs> or is it just Return of the Obra Dinn? Yeah, just Return. Return of the Obra Dinn. I think you should probably lead this discussion because I wouldn't have played it or maybe known it existed if you hadn't told me about it. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the good work. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had no idea what it was. Um, I think I'd, I maybe had glimpsed it on Steam like the day it released mm. and was like, hmm, I don't know what this is. And then I saw um, the folks at Giant Bomb talking about it and they said... All the all I needed to hear, and they said uh, it's from the guy that made it's the next game from the guy that made Papers Please, and I was like, oh that oh mm-hmm. oh, and so I immediately went and bought it and played started playing it that night. Uh, I liked Papers Please quite a Me bit. Me too. I never even played much of it, but I I really liked it. Um, you know, unique game, kind of boring and tedious in a way I really <laughs> liked, and a fantastic audio and visual presentation. Um, and that is very much the case for this game in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, it is another weird, tedious game with amazing audio and visual and actually kind of an, inter- an interesting story this time around. Yeah. But um, I knew nothing about, like, nothing about it when I launched it. And uh, I was pretty blown away by Return of the Oprah Den mm. uh, almost immediately because... It has a a really striking visual style um, that is then elevated by the audio design, which is immediately like the first thing you encounter is that the, the you know the captain shooting the guy, yeah, and the music turns on and the the voice acting is all there and it's like holy shit, and um, so Return of the Oberdin is a weird one to describe. Uh, it's sort of an adventure game a little bit. Uh, in the way you progress through the story, it's it's the story progression is very much like a walking simulator. You you can just I'd say it's a puzzle game. Personally, it is a puzzle game. Yes, yeah. at, at its core. But if you wanted to just like see most of the story, you don't have to solve anything to True. see the story. True. Um, you have you are an insurance. Uh, what's the tr- what's the correct word? An insurance mm-hmm. investigator. Adju- I don't know. Investigator. Adju- I don't know. You're an insurance boy. <laughs> uh, in the 1800s, a ship, the Oberdin, has drifted into into port in England, uh, and it is a ghost ship. There's no one left alive on it, and you are sent on to the ship to find out what the hell happened. Um, there are 60 people on the ship, and you need to find out uh, where they are, what, what what happened to them. And you do that via a magic pocket watch, that is given to you by a guy. <laughs> I don't really explain where he got that from, but that's okay. You have a magic pocket watch, and when you aim it at a corpse, it takes you back to the moment of the corpse's death. Yes. Uh, and it is a freeze frame of their death. You hear maybe five seconds of audio, ten seconds of audio preceding that moment. Uh, sometimes some dialogue, sometimes it's just uh, environmental audio design. And it's all black. And then you see the moment when they died. And it's a freeze frame. And you have about a minute to sort of walk around and look at things. And take in information. And then from those freeze frames, many things come about. You get information about who these people are. What is happening. How they died. 
and then there will be other corpses in that scene that you can then basically it's sort of like time traveling a little bit through like you open one door and then there are like other doors that open with inside not literal doors yeah uh, i think that was just designed so that there isn't 60 corpses on the deck and you're like where the hell do i start yeah, and they, it is they're also all connected so that there's a cohesive story, and then you, yes. by the end of the story, you're like, okay, I know how each person died and where I should start. Yeah, and a key, also another key aspect is uh, you're it's going backwards basically the whole time. Yeah, you start at the end. Yeah, the first thing you encounter is basically the very last chapter of the story, uh, and each chapter, most of the chapters start near the end and work their way back. Some of them start at the beginning, but for the most part, the story plays out backwards. And uh, it is your job to sleuth about and examine all these scenes and story bits and the ship and use all of the knowledge you have, both in-game and out-of-game, to solve things. Uh, I solved a few fates uh, of how someone died and who they were by their accent or, Mm -hmm. you know, the way they spoke, who they referred to someone else as can be very revealing. Yes. Uh, there are parts where you have to like, I solved a, several people by, f- by like looking at a very tiny little number written on their bed frame. Uh, oh, really? Corresponds to, yeah. Oh, that scene is like integral to solving things yeah, for oh. me at least. And it could be like six hours. It could be 25 hours. It's entirely dependent on, you and your brain and how your brain functions and makes connections and they the game doesn't give you much no uh, it's I, it's oh, very much it's just, hard i think that's important to say i for me yeah i think I, I don't know if i want to call like criticize it but the beginning tutorial is very gamey it's very yes. straightforward i i maybe read out for the for people who are listening because it's not really spoiler since it's the first scene in the entire game yeah but you go into a cabin and the captain's fighting with people and he gives some immediately very obvious clues. He's like, my darling Abigail, pointing yeah. to the girl dead in the bed. I shot your brother. I shot him with a gun. And he just shot someone with a gun. Yeah. So instantly it's very obvious. Abigail, she's dead. You don't know how. You see him shoot himself in the face. So you instantly get that one. And you know the guy outside the door is Abigail's brother. Mm-hmm. And from the information, I was like, okay, this is going to be a pretty gamey detective puzzle scenario. There's going to be a lot of breadcrumbs leading me from A to B. And then I went through the whole story and I had six out of 60 solved. Yeah. And at the end of it, I was like, how the fuck am I supposed to know anyone? <laughs> yeah. And being completely honest, I wasn't enjoying the beginning because I just felt so lost and overwhelmed in a way that my brain found really frustrating. I think mm. I just like like breaking stuff down. I like logic and just having like 54 <laughs> cases to solve at once. I was just like, my head was spinning. And you have to learn yourself, not yeah. just how they died. You have to figure out how to even play the game because you have a notebook <laughs> yeah. and you have pictures of the crew. You have a manifesto of what their roles were and you don't really know going in how difficult the game is. So I didn't really think that was that important. And then slowly but surely, you're like, okay, I need to do some severe deduction here. The game isn't giving me jack shit. And I don't want to spoil too much because I don't want to say how I solved X and Y. But by the sounds of it, there's multiple ways to go about deducing oh, yeah. 
who everyone is. Yeah. But there are some moments in this game which will make you feel like a genius detective. <laughs> there yeah. are some moments where you have a Eureka and you're like, oh, oh, wait, if he said this and I yep. remember this guy said this, then, oh. Yeah, and one item clicks into place and then like three other or five other or ten others kind of domino over and you're like, aha. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. You said that in the podcast. I didn't really have much domino effects. Huh. I the would... whole time I was playing, it really felt like every time I was just figuring it out from scratch. I don't know if I like didn't get a good route of solving, hmm. but I was kind of waiting for it to be like, oh, I, I've solved this one. So because I know A, I know B, but that never really happened to me. I found them all to them... be its own like unique puzzle. Hmm. Personally. A lot of a lot of them, uh, I would I would say for the most part, a lot of them I would solve in like groups of three to three to five. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, yeah, I would say three or five. Uh, a, a lot of the times, yeah, I would find something, and it would trigger. Yeah, it would sort of snowball for me. I would be like, okay, I know who this person is, which means this person can't be this person. Yes. So he has to be this guy because he has has a you know, German accent. So that must mean da, 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 da. And there's, yeah. there's three solved. Um, it's, it is such a cool, unique game. It is maybe the most creative game of the year. Yeah. And I think now Lucas Pope might have the best indie track record on the market. Yeah. Because totally. his two games have been, when it comes to innovation, like the best out there. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I found Papers Please to be the most fun game. It was like no, a mem it's extreme, certainly not supposed to be. <laughs> it's extreme memory exam, and I found it really difficult. Yeah, but Papers Please was it went so far because it was like nothing people had seen before, and I hope that the same happens with Oberdin because I haven't really heard much talk around the water cooler about Oberdin. I really hope people start to pick it up slowly. Maybe over yeah. the next two years with sales and stuff, they check it out because. Man, this guy, Lucas Pope, he's a smart geezer. I'll tell you that. He's a yeah. very, very creative guy. And he made every part of the game. Uh, yes. The only thing he didn't do was the voice acting. You know, mm -hmm. he wrote the music. He didn't play the music because it's orchestral. But yeah. he wrote the music, did all the art. Everything was him. And uh, it sounds like he was able to make it because of Paper, Please. Paper, Please funded this game yeah. completely. Uh, and he's he said as well that if Oberdin has failed, it, it, it's fine. Because uh, Papers, Please is his cash cow, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so he, you know, it is such a singularly, it's so like ripped right from his brain. It's just like, yeah. here is a man with a very unique vision doing everything himself and taking his sweet, sweet time doing it. And then you get this like singularly unique game at the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, Oberdin came out like right when I was, it, it was like a week or two before Red Dead. And I was like kind of just not feeling a lot of i wasn't feeling very into games but you don't want to start like, something before another big project type thing yeah but like i was just what i was gonna say is like i was i don't know a little bored of games at the point that i was playing Oberdin because like spider-man and shadow of the tomb raider and there were a couple other things that came after it that i was like Ugh. and then i played over dinner i was like oh my god video games are so good still holy <laughs> shit what was i thinking uh, yeah it's so good it's and I, really good 
I had such a good time with it. And I, I actually was going to say I agree that I was kind of frustrated for the first few hours because I too, when I, when I was done the story, uh, I, was, I had, I think, six as well. And um, for the first like hour after that, I was like, what the fuck? I have no fucking idea how to go about this. And then I you know, found my way through it and managed to beat it in like under eight hours or something, uh, which felt good. And uh, I wish I had taken notes playing it because I didn't need to. I was keeping it all in my head. But I, I wish I, what, if I were to replay this game with no memory, I would have a printout of all the people's faces and mm. I would jot like little weird notes beside them all like this person is probably from this country, you know, or this person makes this reference at some point um, like a proper detective, I guess. And, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's a hell of a game. This game uh, gave me some of the best puzzle euphoria that i've had in a very very long time probably since the witness yeah there's some moments where you just feel like you have no information yeah and, and then i remember i think my most distinct memory was feeling completely lost and then i went to uh, the scene where there's a storm sure and this is a very minor lead spoiler like a puzzle lead and then i was looking at all these guys in the crow's nest because one guy got to get struck by lightning up there and I looked at the manifesto and I saw the role of top men. Yep. I was like, oh my God, all <laughs> of these guys are here. And yep. then from that, it like spiraled. And the game doesn't push you in any direction. You have to find it all for yourself. And there will be times where it just feels completely hopeless. Yep. And then you yourself have to deduce what is vital from the scene and from the book. Even stuff in a picture. Like, when I saw someone dancing with someone else, I was like, well, if that guy was, like, a lowly seaman, he wouldn't be dancing with her. She, that's no. the captain's wife, you know? <laughs> you yeah. know? You have to go crazy with this game. You have to be a real detective. There was even a time where I was in Google Translate, being like, where the hell is this guy from? Sure, yeah, yeah. And, like, you figure out one guy's Russian, and then you, you go back and you see who he's sitting with and who he's playing dice with. And, like, okay, yeah, so and these guys are Russians. They must yeah. be. Yeah. And it's... It's kind of brutal from a puzzle perspective. That's why you can tell it's made by one guy. If there yeah. was a team, they would have tried to gamify it and be like, oof, this is a bit, you know, what if a casual, you know, dumb person <laughs> plays it? They're never going to yeah. solve this game. It's, uh, it's very much like The Witness. It respects your intelligence. Yeah. You've got you to really think about things. Like, really and think. More than The Witness, this game relies upon you to have a good sense of, I don't know, uh, like it relies on you making a lot of assumptions yes. as well. Like, you know, the language part of it was a, was a big one for me that helped me solve several where it's like, okay, this guy is speaking with like, what sounds like an Irish accent mm -hmm. and you know, oh, this is sort of an Irish sounding name and turns out that's correct, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you don't know that they speak German in Austria, um, you might think, where's the German guy on the crew manifest? But he, there is no German on the crew. He's Austrian. But I think uh, that was the point. They put no yes. German on there so that yeah. if you didn't know the German speaking countries, like I didn't, I had to go to Google and I typed yep. in German speaking countries and I went yeah. through and cross-checked it with a manifesto and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's very unusual to have a game just be like, Hey, uh, you, it's all on you. You're, you go for it. You, you know, you solve every puzzle however you want. You're you can come to the deductions however you want. Uh, it's up to you, and yeah. you might not 
I don't know, you might not have a brain that like works in a way that is friendly towards solving the puzzles in this game as well. Uh, I felt that way at the beginning. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm overwhelmed and I don't like this because I like things to be a bit more mentally organized and it was overwhelming, but it was worth pushing through for sure. Yeah, it is um, really excellent. And I think the uh, the story is really compelling. Yeah. Um, there are some amazing moments of rev- of reveal uh, in the story yes um, i don't want to spoil at all what where it goes but they go some pretty wild places a, a few times yeah when uh, you realize where it's going yeah there's a certain chapter where i went down to a deck and i was like what the fuck is going on in here yeah that chapter yes those things yes all yes. of that is crazy and uh and it was i was interested in the story and the um and again i can't stress enough just how good and cohesive the like audiovisual packages the the voice acting is all tremendous the sound design is really good <laughs> the one where the guy gets crushed by Ugh. while he's out uh pooping yeah <laughs> i think we should say it's quickly so that funny. it's it's surprisingly violent for the oh, graphical yeah. style it has i didn't think it would be able to portray violence but some of it is disgusting one of them is like a guy gets his head like he gets shot with a pistol from like you know the the barrel of the gun is under his chin and it like yeah. blows his brains out all yeah. over the scene um and like and the decapitations music is, and people yeah. exploding with a cannon in their face there's some nasty <laughs> ways that people go there's out. some people some of the people in this game get really nastily gored yes. for sure and uh also the music is freaking amazing yeah i think my only critique of the game was yeah i found with the system um in the game if you get the game only tells you when you have got some correct when you have three correct. Yeah. Which I think is a clever system overall. Stops because, you from brute forcing everything. Yeah. But even with that system, I still could brute force some when I knew 100% that I had two correct. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think there was really a way for him to avoid that. Because if it had been one, it would have been worse. You could have just yeah. kept going through, kept going through. So I don't think there was really a way to avoid that. There was just a couple of times, like when I found the carpenter with his mate or steward, mm. whichever one you want to call it. I was like, well, I know exactly who these two people are. So I kind of have a freebie now where I can yeah. I can kind of go around. I just know that I can go, doop, doop, nope, doop, doop, nope. And then it goes, bom, bom. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and that was my choice as a gamer to do that, to kind yeah. of exploit the systems. But because the game doesn't hold your hands, I was never sure if I was supposed to. The game tells think, you really nothing yeah. of how to play it. Again, you know, it's it's just, if you want to solve it that way, I, I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. I um, didn't. It's just less like, satisfying I'm when you brute need, force I just, it. Obviously. I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. I did brute force quite a few of them, and it made me feel guilty. <laughs> I would only time. brute force a few when I knew I had two correct, and then the third one I was very confident about, and I was like, okay, what is what is wrong for this third one? Like, I'm pretty sure the person is right. Is the death wrong? So yeah. There were a few times where I would, I would experiment with that through brute forcing. And I think um, getting around the memories can be a little tedious at times. Where a little it's bit, like, yeah. I, I kind of wish you could just click revisit memory from the yes, book that you have. 100%. Um, but at the same time, sort of like The Witness, I kind of came to appreciate the downtime because yeah. I would use that to process things and think about things. I don't know if you noticed, but um, if you just go near a corpse and press shift, it like flips to the page where they died. 
Right, yeah. So that was kind of a quick way to like walk to the body and be like, is it you? Who? Okay, no, it's not over you. And then you can just go on the map and it shows you where the corpse is. Which is like yeah. bottom deck. Yeah. But, but yeah, if you want to go from the from book, like, would have been would have been a yeah. nice quality of life thing. Some of the memories you can only get to by like revisiting the other ones. And that can be a little annoying. Yeah, I found the uh, boat one to be a little bit annoying. You know, when they're off yeah. the ship. Yeah, yeah, you, definitely. You have to exit every time to get back to the last one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but... There's a couple a few of little issues, but yeah, a couple yeah. of things with like the pacing. But it's one of those games where if he had made more like breadcrumbs and made things more obvious, you wouldn't have the magical moments. Yeah, it's kind of like we've had this discussion for like two years now talking about when you should push players into things and when you should let them discover it themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you let them discover it themselves, there is the risk of frustration and getting lost and then just not finding them. But and he formatted the game in that direction i believe and yeah. sometimes you have moments of feeling completely lost and hopeless uh but when you overcome that and you have a eureka moment all on your own it's some of the most satisfying puzzle solution stuff i've played in a long time totally the puzzle genre doesn't get a huge amount of love so this is one of the best puzzle games in years and the most creative yep. indie game of the year for sure oh definitely yeah I it's great with that yep it is really really good highly highly recommended Yes, buy it. Give Lucas Pope more money. <laughs> yeah. Let him keep yep. doing his thing. God, he's Definitely. a smart boy. Hey, he got... What, what was the best art direction, right, at the Game Awards? That Very deserving of that. He got something. <laughs> I think it was best... I think it was art direction, which yeah. is appropriate. Because it, nothing... It looks so unique. Yeah, uh, it does. Yeah. All right, we might as well continue yeah, so. on and do G- Gwent Thronebreaker, nope. a witch... Uh, a witch's tale. How's it go? What is it? Uh, I'm gonna. I know Gwent isn't in the title. Okay. Thronebreaker: The Witcher Tales. The Witcher Tales. Okay. The Gwent single-player campaign thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which many people may not know exists because they, like, they said they were gonna make a single-player campaign like two years ago. And then no one heard anything about it. And then like two weeks before the game was out, they're like, oh, it's here. It's called this and it's out in two weeks. And yeah. then it came out like three days before Red Dead. <laughs> yeah. Because I've only just managed to get a good chunk of playtime in. Yeah, I think me I too. played like I've two hours just... before Red Dead and then obviously haven't played it. Yeah. And I just started getting into it. And I haven't beaten it, but I'm like 20 hours in. And I think I'm coming towards the end of the game. Hmm. I think. It's a surprising Maybe. amount of maps. <laughs> I'm on I map bet. four. Wow, okay. Yeah. And I, reckon... I just finished like the first sort of chapter, basically, where yeah. you get, you know, thrown out, basically. Uh, Lyria is complete. So, And I played about, it was like almost eight hours or seven hours, I think. So, so I don't uh, think, uh, I'm not going to explain what Gwent is. If you haven't played The Witcher yeah. 3 it's by now, <laughs> that's, that's your own problem. <laughs> you should have played it. Competitive card game. But Gwent is... A fun game. It's a really fun card game. And yeah. I think they have done overall a really good job of making a long campaign story thing out of Gwent. Because the format on pe- pen and paper doesn't sound that appealing. Because no. when I played Witcher 3, I did enjoy Gwent, but I didn't think I'd enjoy it for 20 to 30 hours. But the game has really good pacing. You can probably yeah. see from the gameplay, you have this top-down, uh, like almost... Uh, what's the term for those RPGs isometric? where it's isometric? It's like an isometric yeah. view and you are just like going from encounter to encounter and they're very varied. 
Some are puzzles, some are full battles, and some are short battles. Some are boss fights. Yeah. Uh, I will say there hmm. is a surprisingly low amount of standard battles in the game. Yeah. The standard that, battle is yeah. the th- like the best of three format, which Gwen is usually done in. Yes. Yeah. And I'm 20 hours in, coming to the end of the game, and I honestly would say standard battle is 15% of the battles. It's yeah. incredibly low. And I do like the puzzles, and I do like the short battles because they're kind of more focused on deck building. Yeah, yeah, they're a little more freeform. But it got to the point sometimes where I got so into um like auto playing in my mind that it's a short battle that i forgot me too <laughs> there was one time where the enemy passed i was like what are you doing why are you yep. passing and i just like put all my cards down I'm like, I'm like yep. idiot i did exactly and that then it was like round night. two i was like oh shit i forgot the standard <laughs> battles in the game yep yeah and i do think it's a shame standard battles are so rare because in my opinion they are the best battles the whole resource management of like how many cards should I dedicate towards this? Should I tap out? I kind of thought that was the heart of the strategy in Gwent and they just haven't focused very much on it and I don't know why. Mm. I don't... It had, it doesn't bother me that much because I just enjoy other things in the game. It just seems like a weird decision to really deviate from the core of how Gwent works in favor maybe for other formats. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's to sort of get you thinking about Gwent, like the possibilities of the cards to sort of train you for the, the standalone, you know, multiplayer game. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. I there, is, say... isn't there, there is a versus AI thing you can do right at the camp, I think. Yes, uh, I think so. I haven't done it. Okay. I haven't touched it either. And I also think the pacing of the first uh, chunk of the game isn't very good because in the part you were in, your deck pretty much stays the same for like yeah. seven hours. Yeah. Uh, and it takes like 10 to 15 hours before they really start to dish out a lot of cards and you are making your own deck. Hmm. For a while, you are just using the deck the game has given you, and it does get a little bit repetitive. Yeah, I've just gotten to the point where I'm starting to get some choice in what I have for cards. Yeah. uh, Which is nice, yeah. That that part's really fun when you feel like you're making the deck. Yeah. I I was going to say also regarding the puzzle uh, encounters, I... The ones that I've done so far, I, I like them, but I wish that I, I feel like it's just trial and error. Um, I, I feel like there's. I wouldn't agree. J- I feel like there's one solution for each puzzle. Yes. And, one. and I dislike that there's one solution because initially, and this has started to change as I am getting better about understanding what all the cards do. Uh, but initially, not being f- super familiar with the cards and having to like really. Th- some of the descriptions are like a little confusing until you <laughs> see them in play. Um, the first sort of five or six hours of puzzles, I w- I found them to be very much just like, I'm just going to start putting the cards down because I only have five and I'll find the exact specific order I have to put them down in eventually and this sucks. Uh, but in the last couple hours or in the last hour or so, now that I'm, like I said, I- I'm familiarizing myself with the cards and how to use them so that when I'm giving them in the puzzle, it's like, okay, I see what your trick is yes. now, puzzle. Um, I, it's I just agree. initially, yeah, initially I was pretty put off by the puzzles. The puzzles uh, do get better and better as you get more familiar with the game. Yeah. And I do believe that are sometimes multiple solutions. Definitely not always, 
But mm. I've finished some puzzles with cards still left in my hand. So there's hmm. definitely multiple ways in some of them. That's why I like the uh, the like shorter battles where you get to sort of pick your deck because it's like it's somewhere between a puzzle and a full freeform battle. Where yeah, you, you're you sort of have to be careful and you have to figure out what the trick is, but you're allowed to do it with your own sort of cards and your choices, which is nice. Uh, yeah, I think outside of that, the only thing to talk about is, in my opinion, what has been the best and most surprising part of the game, which is the story. Yeah. I think it seems pretty good. <laughs> it really is good. I yeah. mentioned it a little bit on our podcast that we recorded. It is shockingly dark at times. Mm. Like it gets really brutal. And I think I can't tell if it's faking it with some like trickery, but I think you do have quite a large impact on how things go. Probably. Yeah. I don't think there's multiple endings, but you can definitely decide the fate of characters. And where I am in the game, people are still referencing choices I made quite a while ago. And this is a really good war story. Hmm. Uh, a lot of games have done depressing war stories, and some of them are just... Ugh, some of them just don't handle it well, and just fucking depressing. And I just don't want to be <laughs> a part of it. But because you have an objective in the game, you are in the position of, I have this objective, what would I do and how far would I go to get there? Mm. And there's a lot of people doing the same thing. There's there's a lot of war crimes and there's a lot of hatred. And you <laughs> and it's kind of toe curling at times the things people do in this. To I'm get interested they, to see that because I haven't really gotten there yet. And there's a lot uh. of um lot of, there's, there's twists and turns and betrayals and all sorts. And it's just a really yeah. good uh, medieval political war drama thing. And I'm really enjoying it. I can't wait to see where it goes. And they did a very clever thing with the game where characters in your group are cards in the game. Yeah. All of them, from your your soldiers to the generals, they are all cards in your game. And when the story uh, goes along, certain characters will, will drop off for reasons. Uh, and it might be your fault. Because there are definitely choices where the game hasn't painted it in black and white that uh, this is between card A and B, but I can yeah. like read between the lines and be like, oh God, I know if I do this, she's leaving. And if I do yeah. this, she's leaving. And there's some really fun choices where... <sighs> sometimes <laughs> thinking about your deck. Yeah, it's a selfish choice. And I've seen people yep. like do memes about this in JRPGs where you're sad that characters die because you leveled them up. But this is like kind of like Mass Effect where you know you are losing a crew member. And you're contemplating like, oh god, uh, which card do I want to sacrifice here? I love both these cards. And sometimes you just make a decision you don't see coming. And a card will leave and you're like, oh no, I love that card. What am I going to do now? <laughs> and nothing gets you more attached to something than being a little bit selfish, if that makes sense. Something that you can use. It's almost like just losing an item from a game. It'd be like playing The Witcher and making a choice and you lose your sword. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not explaining yeah, this very yeah. well. Yeah. But it's, it's a unique emotional attachment thing. It's not just like killing your horse or dog in a game. You're losing a tool based You're on your choices. gameplay, yeah. And yeah. it's just a really unique aspect to the game. And it makes you attached to the story whether you want to or not. If you were skipping through the story, you would still care because it's your tools in the game. And yeah, it's just really clever. Exactly. I've never yeah. seen something like that before. And it just think, makes you um, think about the story in different ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, I encountered a knight last night at Ike. I think is how you mm. say his name. He's like a noble knight. He's hunting a monster in the first chapter. Yes. And I was like, 
and you have to sort of woo him to come on your side and mm-hmm. i'm sure you can you know have that not work out yeah um but i was like oh man i need to get this guy i need some more cards i need to gotta play this right so i i gotta build my deck out okay he's gonna please sir knight come with us won't you and it's like aha he's been added to my deck now i win uh there the game's also really they word it perfectly uh you know when you make a big dis or when you make any sort of story decision that has what i presumed to mean an effect on things it says you have chosen one evil for another or Mm. one evil over another which is like perfect for the witcher series you know it's always been about uh grays shades of gray oh yeah and uh there's a few things three things i think for me with the game that i it really impressed me i think first it's paced like you said tremendously well Mm -hmm. I played the Banner Saga earlier this year, and I'll play the rest of them eventually. Which is sort of similar to this, I feel like. Uh, it's got lots of story choices. It's got lots of narrative. And then you have, uh, you know, um, like XCOM-like battles occasionally on a sort of grid system. And um, so structurally, they're very similar. But the Banner Saga has, like, too much combat at times. Okay, yeah. And... And, like the pacing is a little off with the banner saga, but I think Thronebreaker's pacing is really excellent. Like I never feel like there's too much of one thing. You wander around for a few minutes, you gather resources, you have a little uh, point of interest encounter where you make a little decision like, oh, I'll rebuild this person's house and I'll get some money or something. And then you encounter a puzzle battle and it's unique. And then you go back to wandering and then you might do a story moment and then you're back to wandering. Like, it's a really... They do a great job of... I was worried it was just going to be like, Gwent, 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 yes. Gwent. Over, over. Go, 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 go. But it's... Every time you're playing Gwent, it feels unique. Like, mm. they've designed so many unique scenarios around it. Uh, and it's really impressive just how nicely they straddle all of these lines. And, and never it never feels like you're doing the same thing for too long. Which is yeah. impressive for a competitive card game. Um, I think the only thing we haven't really talked about is that it has really, really nice art. Oh, yeah. Well, the card art is fantastic. I even like the comic-y overworld uh, camera view. Yeah. And all the little comic scenarios that pop up have good art and great voice acting. The narrator's really good. Oh, yeah. So that ties into the two other things I was going to say. The first is, like, it's more proof of the quality of everyone that works at CD Projekt. Mm. Like, this is a very different game from anything they've made and it is just as good as anything else they've made. Yeah. It is like, you know, it's super well made. The gameplay is really smart. The pacing's great and it's got tremendous writing and really stellar voice acting. Oh yeah. Uh, it's one of those games where, you know, the what's being said is written on text all the time uh, on screen and I don't want to skip forward and read it because I just want to listen to all the voice acting because it's so good. Yes. Um, and it really is just like a great... Ro- not proof or reminder, but it's like, hey, here's this developer known for third-person action story games. They're making a weird isometric card game thing, and it's just as good. Like, it just proves the quality of uh, the developers there. Yeah. Um, and I also think maybe my favorite thing about it is I love how effective it all is at representing uh, the the larger picture. Uh, in that, you know, it's a 2D game. You're top-down. It's very cartoony-looking. All of the fights are Gwent cards, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I know what you're but, saying. 
but I've spent enough time in the Witcher world that I know what it looks like. Um, I know what, you know, a, a dumpy town in the rolling hills of the Witcher world look like. And I know what all the the monsters look like and the people. And every time you encounter something in, in Thronebreaker, you know, it's like, oh, I did a, a fight against a wyvern last night. And it was like five cards in a shape that turned the, <laughs> turned the cards into a wyvern. And I'm like, this yeah. is so weird. But it's it's so it's at every point it's just enough to like perfectly evoke yeah your yeah. like mental picturing images you know of like I can see exactly what this whole thing would look like if it was The Witcher three you know yeah. if it was a full three D world and that's really impressive like uh, I am emotionally attached to my army because of the things they've done for me and you yeah. never see them <laughs> no yeah they're just a number on your right hand on your upper right yeah. Yeah, they're just a little uh, little triangle that turns from red to yellow to green. And I, but I care what they think, and you just yeah. don't see him. Yeah, and it's the same, and it's that combo of like good writing and voicing, and then like just enough sort of visual information that it evokes everything it needs to, and yeah. you're able to b- do the rest of the storytelling or there's a lot of world, world building. building. Yeah, yeah, or visualization. You can just sort of do the rest of it in your head, and it's really cool just how evocative everything is of what would normally be like a big 3d you know open world game Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's really it's really neat and it's really good yeah it's what 40 bucks i think and uh it's on steam now i think it launched on gog it just launched on the consoles i think on tuesday as well and um yeah like if you've ever liked the witcher games i mean good lord this is like must play if you like witcher the witcher world it seems much more sort of in line with the witcher 2 in that it's very like world building and politics related or yeah. you know, world status related I've uh, only in the played... way that The Witcher 3 isn't. Yeah, I've only played Witcher 3, so I'm seeing a lot yeah. more of the world than I, than I have before. And I'm learning new stuff about different cultures and clans. Yeah. Which is a nice bonus like, for me because I, I like The Witcher. Yeah. 3. Like, I, we're, I'm just about to go and meet King Demavend. And I'm like, oh, I remember him from, uh, from The Witcher 2, you know. Uh, oh, that's when things get good. I think I think he was in The Witcher too. I could have sworn he was. Maybe okay. I'm making that up. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he is. Well, he's not in The Witcher too. He's in the opening cutscene for The Witcher. Yeah, II. I just I uh, just left the Dwarven city, and that was the best chapter by far. Cool. Yeah. The dwarves are great, and there's a lot of world building for them, and their strange laws and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. It it definitely seems like more written by the people that wrote The Witcher two. Uh, and I presume like more of the Witcher 3 writing staff is on Cyberpunk, which is not a bad thing, of course. Uh, Witcher 3 is more like intimate and personal, whereas Witcher 2 and Thronebreaker are much more like broader world building, but still excellent. Uh, yes. It's just sort of a different style. And yeah, it's 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 really, really good. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't really have much more to say about it. Good art, surprisingly good story. I like Gwent, good puzzles. Looks good, good game. It's just sort of surprising how much they get out of a, a Gwent, standalone Gwent, 30-hour yeah. single-player Gwent game. Like, I, I, you know, I would never have thought that would work, but... Uh, <laughs> it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't, but it does, and it, it works really well, and that's really a does. testament to, uh, to CD Projekt, I would say. Uh, God, they're, they're the good boys. They are, yeah. They know what they're doing, that's for sure. Uh, does <sighs> it tempt you at all to play multiplayer Gwent? Mmm... Maybe. There's a lot of versus AI in the multiplayer game that I played of last year over the summer in the beta. There was a lot of uh, f- pretty decent like fighting the AI that I, I kind of enjoyed. 
Maybe. But we'll I, see. I'm sure it's built around, you know, buying card packs like Hearthstone. Yeah, uh, Which is probably. kind of not appealing. Yeah. Tis a good one. Yeah, ended yeah. the discussion on two positive notes. Thank God. I did Big it. Negative Nancy. <laughs> I like Fallout. I hate Hitman. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know where I stand with Fallout, but... Uh. Anyway, that is all when it comes to review roundups for the year. We won't yeah. be doing one for December because it's Just Cause 4, and that's kind of it. And yep. Just Cause 4 is just Just Cause 3, but with, yep. a, with a hurricane. Tornado, sorry. Tornado, there you go. That's okay, it's okay. <laughs> so we won't be doing a discussion on that. So yeah, this is the last Maybe one Maybe not the year. for January either? I don't know. It's only RE2. Just RE2. Maybe yeah. RE2. It might be a... V- I don't know. It might be like a five-hour-long February roundup uh, in March because every game in history comes out in February. Oh, so. yeah. Yikes. But the next video in this format will, format will be our top 10 of 2018. We've, we've done one every year for six years? This will be our sixth year, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're close. I'm still in the list building process, and I still have a couple of games to give more time but i think uh we're probably good to record that in like a week or so yeah, yeah it'll, oh it's gonna and be it's an gonna, interesting one it is gonna be an interesting one i think it might be our most varied list ever yeah i, I really am curious to mm-hmm. see where where we all end up yeah it's gonna be interesting but apart from that we will see you guys then for that marathon talk most likely yep <laughs> and uh thank you for listening bye bye